Welcome to the Forward Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Lead Pastor Neil Krauss. For more information about Forward, giving, or to request prayer, visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com. Now, this magnet also costs more than $8 million, and it will only be useful a couple of times before it explodes from the massive pressure that it creates. So I'm kind of looking for a magnet in between there, right? A typical refrigerator magnet and that Tesla magnet. But I want a strong connection. And we're kicking off the new year with this series titled Connected because it is so important for us to thrive as individuals, to thrive spiritually, to thrive as families, to thrive as a church. It's important that we be connected to the right things and in the right ways so that when weight is applied to our lives, we don't slip, so to speak, down the front of the refrigerator. Now, it's important for us to have strong connections so that when those pressures come, that we remain firm. Um, We're going to spend the next four weeks looking to Scripture and studying four important ways for us to be connected. So this series is going to be focused on Christians who are the church. We are the church, and, and Christians make up the church. And it's going to be focused on four major connections that we need to make, four things we need to be connected to as Christians, because if we're connected in the right ways to the right things, we'll have a super strong and priceless bond that cannot be pulled away. However, the opposite of that is true. If we're not connected in those ways, we will find our lives slipping. We'll find that when a little bit of pressure is applied to our life, we'll slide down the refrigerator door of life. Anybody here ever felt like your life was slipping away? Ever felt like you're just kind of sliding and you can't stop the slide? Kind of like a calendar down the side of the refrigerator. If that's the case, this series is for you. If you're not a Christian and you're just checking out what it means to be a Christian, then hopefully by the end of this series, you'll have a much clearer picture of what God desires from and what he desires for his people. So today we're going to be discussing the biblical truth that we are to be connected with God. Now, people who are not yet Christians don't have a connection with God because sin, sin in our life, that separates us from God. That's the biblical truth that that all of us have sinned and fall short of God's glory. So sin in our lives takes away that connection that we so desperately need with God. However, it's also true that that many Christians, though we have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, we have a refrigerator magnet kind of connection with God. And we have a weak connection with God. And maybe you attend church sometimes and you believe in Jesus, but then when life gets really tough, when tragedy strikes, when, when you get tired, when a relationship fails, or when you don't like something that happened at church, your connection begins to slip because you don't have that strong connection with God. And you find that your life begins to slide and you begin to drift away from being connected to God. Well, today we're going to learn that the best way to have a strong connection to God is to be connected with Him through worshiping Him. Now, that sounds obvious, right? That we're to worship God, that that we should be connected to Him by worshiping Him. But whether you realize it or not, we're all worshipers. We're all worshiping something, whether it's God or something else. So throughout the Bible, we can see that there are two kingdoms to belong to. There is the kingdom of Satan, and there is the kingdom of God. So there's two kingdoms. You're either worshiping the kingdom of Satan, or you're worshiping the kingdom of God. Now, ever since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, when they first sinned and sin entered into the world, every single one of us... We're born into this sinful world. We're born into this world with a sin nature, 
and we're born into what we end up worshiping is the kingdom of Satan. And surely none of us would ever say that. We're not going to claim that, that, you know, me, before I became a Christian, I would have never said that I was a Satan worshiper. But if I was not worshiping God, I had to be worshiping something else. And the Bible tells me that I was worshiping the kingdom of this world, which is Satan's kingdom. Now, so many people, they want to claim, well, we're all God's children, right? You've heard that. You may have said that before. But to be biblically accurate, that's not true. That statement is not theologically accurate. Biblically, we are all God's creation. You were created by God in his image. But we're not his children until we place our faith in the saving grace of Jesus Christ. When we place our faith in the saving grace of Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us we are adopted into God's family. So we're not his children. We are his creation. We become his children when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, 1 John 3 says you're either a child of God or a child of the devil. And I know that sounds harsh, but we have to come to the realization of that truth. We have to come to the realization that we have sin, and that sin separates us from our connection with God. And that truth is why God sent Jesus, so that we could be adopted into God's family to become a part of his kingdom and not Satan's kingdom and to have a connection with God. You see, it's important that we be connected with God. So we have to decide, which kingdom am I going to choose to worship? Because we have that choice. And it's important to note that you have to be all in in your, in your relationship with God. You have to be all in saying, I surrender everything and I want to worship God. You cannot um, worship the earthly kingdom of Satan throughout the week and then expect to truly worship God on Sunday. You can't have a full-on true connection with God if you're also trying to have this connection with the world. That's why Revelation 3.15 makes this statement. God says to the church, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. So because you're lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. You see, this is where God is saying, I'd rather you just be cold and not even for me. God, I know where you are. Or, or hot and all in for me. I don't want you to be lukewarm because when you're lukewarm, God says, I'd rather just spit you out of my mouth. You see, they were just going through the motions. That church was just kind of going through the motions. They weren't rejecting Jesus. There was no full-on rejection of him, but they were not passionately following him either. They did not have a strong connection. They were just kind of sitting on the fence of both worlds, trying to be comfortable in the world, yet... yet um, yet getting in their spiritual quota on the weekend, so to speak. They were showing up, but they weren't all in. And you need to know that, that God is not okay with that. He says, I would just rather spit you out of my mouth than to have you lukewarm. And the other thing you need to know is that Satan is okay with that. So Satan will lie to you and tell you, well, it's okay to be that way. It's okay to just be lukewarm because Satan wants you to be divided. Satan wants you to try to connect with God a little bit, but then connect with the world the rest of the time. Satan wants you to be apathetic in your relationship to God because when you're apathetic, you're lukewarm and you don't have the powerful connection of being connected to God. You see, when you're not strongly connected to God, then Satan can tempt you and your life will slip. And interestingly, this verse in Revelation chapter 3, it falls right before the chapter that begins to describe some incredible worship going on in heaven. Chapter 4 talks about this incredible worship in heaven. So God's saying, I don't want your lukewarm Christianity. I don't want weak connection that causes you to slide every time some pressure is applied. He's saying, I want all of you. I want every bit of you. I want you to be fully connected to me. I want you to be all in. And if you're all in, then you have this connection with God and you get his Holy Spirit's power in your life so that with every breath that you are praising God, you're worshiping him with everything that you have, that's when you find this power 
that God wants to give you. And we see the angels, they're singing in Revelation chapter 4 at the top of their lungs, with every fiber of their being, everything that they have, they're singing this worship to God. And he's saying, I want you with your life to proclaim the same thing. Revelation 4.8 says, they never cease to say, which means with every living breath, at all times, with everything that they do, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The Bible proclaims that you and I are worshipers and that we are to be doing that same thing with everything that we have, with all that we are, to be proclaiming holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That's what it means to be all in for God. We have to ask ourselves, am I so connected to God? Do I have such a tight connection with him that the way I carry myself at work proclaims holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty? Or do the people I work with, do they even know that I'm a Christian? Does everything about my life proclaim holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty? Almighty, do my relationships, do what I do on the weekends, do the choices that I make, do the people that I hang out with, do the, the activities that I get involved in, do they proclaim holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty? Does the way that I use my time proclaim holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty? Does the way that I'm using the way God has talented me, the talents he's given me, do I proclaim with them, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty? Does the way that I spend money, does the way that I budget money proclaim holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty? Or do those things, do my times, talent, treasure, do they proclaim I'm more important? You see, that's, the, that's what we wrestle with. We wrestle with giving everything over to God because we tend to think that our time, talent, and treasure belongs to us and that we get to, to figure out what to do with it. But God's saying, I want all of that. God is saying, proclaim with your time, your talent, and your treasure that I am holy, holy, holy. So we need to take a hard look at ourselves and ask, you know, is my connection with God what comes first in my life? Or is my connection with earthly things really what tends to come first? Now, every one of us has been there. So this sermon, it, it's very applicable to all of us. It's stepping on my toes, it's stepping on your toes because we wrestle with having that connection with God so strong that he is first in everything and that we're proclaiming with our life, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the moment we take something else and we allow it to become between us and God, it weakens our connection with God. And we do it very easily. We do it very quickly. We do it with good things a lot of the time. Now, I've got this refrigerator on stage, and we've got this magnet right here. And you can see if this magnet, if it is our lives, let's say that magnet is our life. And let's say this refrigerator is God. And I've got this magnet stuck straight to the refrigerator. If I try to push on it, it's hard to, to, to pull it down. You can see it's, it takes a lot of pressure to make it slide. I have to kind of peel it away. There's a good, strong connection there. And that's what God's saying our picture of our life should look like. We should be so connected to him that there's nothing that's going to come between us and him. But what tends to happen is we tend to take even good things that God intends as blessings, and we can put them between us and God. So, for instance, right here, family. My family is a blessing to me. My family is amazing. I love my family, but I can wrestle with putting my family first before God because I want to spend time with them. I want to love them. I want to encourage them. I want to nurture them. And my family is so important. I'm a family man. So I can spend so much time with them that I could put them between me and God. I could put them first before I put God first. And I think we all might wrestle with that. So what happens is when family comes between me 
and my God, now all of a sudden my connection with God has weakened just a little bit. I'm taking a very good thing that God intends as a blessing for me, and I'm putting it between me and God. And if I pull, it's a little bit easier to, to pull on that, right? Then what happens is because my family is so important, my career becomes important. My career is important because i got to take care of my family. And I want to make sure that I succeed, and I'm going to work hard at my job, and I want to do the best that I do at everything I do, and God's blessed me with a great career. And you might be working on your career so hard that your career takes precedence over your relationship with God. And maybe you make some choices in your career that, that wouldn't honor God, and now all of a sudden, my career is becoming more important to me than God, and it has become between me and God. So I've got my family that's important to me, I've got my career that's important to me, and both of those things have now, are, they're good things, but they have now come between me and God, and it's getting a little bit easier to make me slide because I'm getting these things out of order. And then because my career is important, then right, money, Right? Money can be a blessing from God. Money, God, the, the Bible says that God blesses us to be a blessing. So when he gives us money, we're to use it for his kingdom work and, and put him first in the resources that he gives us. But what happens? My family's so important. I've got to take care of my family, my career. I need to succeed and I need to advance and move ahead so that I can make more money. And then I start to think that this money is mine and I start to distribute the money and stress over money and think about money. And money starts to drive my life because I have to make more money to pay for the, the bills that I have. And money all of a sudden becomes a God in my life. And money now is taking the place of God or getting in between me and God because I've got my career and I've got my family, all good things. But now, all of a sudden, there's another thing that's between me and my God, and it's getting easier to make me slide. There's more pressure on my life. And because I'm so stressed out, because of my career and my family and worrying about money now, I need a hobby, right? How many of us need a hobby because we need to just relax? I need to go do something. I need to go to the lake, or I'm going to go, some of you might go golfing, or maybe you're a hunter, or maybe you fish, or, or whatever it is that you do and you have as a hobby, you work out, you run, whatever that is. If that hobby, all of a sudden, because it makes you feel better, and you feel good, and you feel rested after you've been at the lake for the weekend, now all of a sudden, this hobby has become so important to me that it's more important than my relationship with God. It comes between me and God. And now my hobby all of a sudden has become what I think about, what I can't wait to do, what I look forward to. And now I've got my family, I've got my career, I've got money, I've got hobbies in between me and God. And a little bit of pressure comes along. And what happens? I've slipped away. I've fallen in my relationship with God. I'm not close to God. I don't have a good connection with God. Because all those things, while good things, they have caused me to lose my strong connection with God. Listen, we will see that when we fully worship God, we can enjoy all those things with His favor. But if we start to put those things in between us and God, we lose that favor. We lose that connection with God. However, if we put it in the right order, God says all those things will be a blessing in your life. Your family will be a huge blessing. Your job can be a huge blessing. I will provide for your needs, and your hobbies will be more refreshing when God is first. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. That's our main text for today. As we study this passage, if you would turn to there in your Bibles, there's a Bible under your chair if you need one. We'll have it on the screens as well. But as we study this passage, we're going to see that the early church was connected to God in four different ways that allowed them to flourish and to enjoy his favor. So if you would stand with me, we're going to read from our main text for today. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, says this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. 
and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You can be seated. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his holy word. Now, these verses tell us that they were connected with God in worship of God. And because of that, they're seeing his favor. They're seeing amazing things happen in the early church. You'll also notice it says everyone was filled with awe. They were in awe of God. They were in awe of him as they met in the temple and as they met in their homes. So we see there's this example of formal worship and there's an example of informal worship. The formal worship's when they're in the temple. Informal is when they're in their homes. They're worshiping God at all times. And there's a balance in these verses where worship is more about a lifestyle than it is about a style. Worship is more about an ongoing event than it is about a single service. Worship is about this connection that you and I have with God in every aspect of our lives. And when they were worshiping God with everything they had, with every breath that they breathed, it says they enjoyed favor with all of the people. And that's very important because we tend to, in our culture, we compartmentalize our Christian lives, don't we? And we'll say things like, well, let's go to worship this weekend. Or will you join me at my church for worship this weekend? Or, or you know, hey, going wor- to worship may be good for some people, but I don't need that. I have my personal relationship with God. And we compartmentalize and we divide things up. But Scripture tells us that worship is not an, an hour on Sunday. It's not something you attend. Worship is who you are. That you are to be a worshiper with every breath. You must be worshiping God with every breath that you take, not just compartmentalizing God, trying to meet with him for an hour or so a week. Now, this hour or so on the weekend is very important. It's very good. The Bible also says not to, um, not to take this for granted, not to miss this opportunity because this encourages and edifies us and builds us up, helps us grow. It's another connection that we need. But true connection with God through worship is so much more than, than us gathering and singing songs. It is connecting with him through everything that you do. So we see the early church. They're worshiping God with, with glad and generous hearts, and they're, they're worshiping him in awe. Now, why is that? Well, it's because the gospel had been made clear to them. The gospel had been presented to them, and, and the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. This early church recognized that they were sinful and that they could not have connection with God. And they began to realize that, that because they were sinners, they, they didn't have that connection with God. They recognized they needed a spotless sacrifice to cover over their sin. So God had sent his son Jesus as that spotless sacrifice. Jesus took their place just like he took our place, and he paid the price for their sin. They understood that. And that's what we understand too. So they were no longer condemned for their sin. They could now live in freedom from that sin and with connection with a holy God. And that's the truth for us as well. That is why we should be in awe of God and what he has done for us. He looked at us and saw us in our brokenness and in our sin and said, I want to make a way for you to be my child. And he made a way for us, his creation, to become his children through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, they had a good reason to worship him with glad and generous hearts. And you and I do today as well. And worship, again, it's not about a style or an event. It's all about who we are. Our worship is who we are. 
and what we worship. They understood that connecting with God by giving everything that they had, surrendering all their life to him, was what he desired. If we look at Romans chapter 12, I love verse 1, it says, I appeal to you therefore, this is Paul speaking to the church, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. He says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, connect with God by giving him everything that you have, all of your life, saving, saying, all my life, Lord, is yours. Saying, all that I am, everything that I have, with all my heart, mind, body, strength, and soul, God, everything that I have is yours. I will worship you, God. All that I have is yours. It's regarding your life as not being your own anymore. It's regarding your emotions as belonging to God. It's regarding your gifts, your graces, your personality. The very desires of your heart are belonging to God now, allowing him to shape you, not the culture to shape you. And isn't that what we wrestle with? We, we, we so much want to follow God, but we allow our culture around us to shape us. And God is saying, don't do that. He's saying, let me shape your life. And when we worship him, he shows us favor and we find that, that when he shapes our life, that's exactly what he desires, and that's what's best. But we have to guard against two things in this. We have to be guard, on guard against counterfeit connections. That's the first thing, to be on guard against counterfeit connections. Now, this item right here, it, it looks like a magnet, right? This, this hung in our house. This, it looks like a magnet. I can call it a magnet. I can claim that it's a magnet, and I can try to stick it to the front of the refrigerator. doesn't stick. Church, there are so many people today in America who claim to be a Christian, who look like a Christian, who go to church and say, well, I'm doing the Christian thing, but don't have a connection with God, that aren't close and connected and saying, I've surrendered my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Too many of us want Jesus as our Savior, but not our Lord. And he says he's to be your Lord and Savior. You see, he saves us by grace when we place our faith in him. But God's plan for your life is that you allow him to be Lord of your life. And you say, I'm going to connect with you. And I'm going to get close to you. And I'm going to allow my life to be guided by you. So we have to be on guard against counterfeit connections. Because someone can claim to be a Christian, even do the right things and look like a Christian. But if your life's not surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, if your heart is not pure, if your motives are not purely um, offered over to God, then there's no real connection there. And a striking example of this is found in the New Testament account of Ananias and Sapphira. If you're familiar with that, you know it's, it's an amazing example. Throughout Acts chapter 4, we hear of the church being of one heart, one soul, and there was no needy among them, and, and they're being blessed by God, and amazing things are happening, and, and they're connecting with God in a, t in a close way by giving all that they have to benefit the kingdom of God. And then chapter 5 tells us about Ananias and Sapphira. And, and many people in the church had property and they were selling it and they were giving the money to the church to advance the kingdom and, and so also so they could help each other out so there was no needy among them. And Ananias and Sapphira had this idea that they say, well, we, we want to be a part of that, so we're going to do that. And they, they had a property and the Bible says that they sold that property. And scripture tells us that the two of them, though, agreed that we're going to hold some of this money back for ourselves. We're going to keep some of it and hang on to it and we're going to give the other, but we're going to make it look like we're giving everything to the church because we want to look like a magnet. We want to look like Christians. We want to look like the church. So Ananias and Sapphira, they, they go and they give a portion of the money 
Ananias gives it, leaves it at the apostles' feet, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit speaks through Peter. Peter rebukes Ananias and says, it's God you're lying to, not men. The Bible says Ananias fell dead on the spot. On the spot. Now, why did he fall dead? Because he was claiming to be something that he was not. He was claiming this close connection with God, and I've turned everything over to God, but he hadn't. And a few hours later, the Bible says Sapphira came in, and not knowing what had happened, Peter asked her, have you given the full amount like, like Ananias claimed? And she said, yes, of course we have. She fell dead on the spot. And it sounds so harsh, but it is a strong message to us because the point is they faked their spirituality to impress others to look like Christians, and the result is death. Whether it's on the spot or whether it's spiritual death, Because there's no connection with God, there's separation. So we have to ask ourselves, am I faking my spirituality to impress others? Or do I have a real connection with God? I mean, I pray that's not the case for anyone in this room because the result is death. It's spiritual death. It could be physical death. Is God going to drop you dead on the spot? I mean, he could. He's God. He's the creator. He has that power, but he hasn't done it yet. So you have time to repent. If you have been living that life of false connection with God. There's time to repent right now and say, God, I repent of that and I want to give everything I have. I want to surrender my life to you. If he hasn't done that yet, there's time. But it it can mean eternal death and separation from him if we don't repent. So my prayer is that you would connect with God in a real way, giving him all of you, not holding anything back. Turn over every area of your life to him now. As long as you have breath, there's time to do that. So the time is now. Leaving no area unturned. No corner of your heart unchecked because you can't compartmentalize your spiritual life and your personal life and your work life, your sexual life, your financial life. God wants to be connected to every single aspect of your life. So we have to be on guard against counterfeit connection and say, is there an area of my life that I'm really not connected with God? Have I been compartmentalizing and holding this part out because I want control of it? God says he wants all of you. So number one, be on guard against counterfeit connection. Where the surface, on the surface, it looks like you're completely connected, but deep down you're not. There are huge, huge ramifications for that. Second, be on guard against intermittent connection. Well, I'm going to follow God for a little while, and then I'm going to go my own way for a little while, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to be strong in my faith again, and now I'm going to connect with God, and then I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to do my own thing again because my selfish flesh desires start to take over again. And many of us treat our connection with God like we do a New Year's resolution, a diet or an exercise program, and we get strong for a little while and then we fade away because we allow things to come between us and God and we start to slide down the refrigerator of life and we get motivated for a time and then we get unmotivated for a time. And our connection weakens and we start to slide. We think, well, I'll get back closer someday. You know, when this happens, I'll, I'll start going to church again. Or when that happens, I'll, I'll start studying the Bible. Or, or when I get to this place in life, I'll start to tithe to the church. Or when I get over here, and, and we start making excuses for our connection or lack of connection with God. But the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, that it, or Romans 12, I'm sorry, that verse from 12.1 says it's a living sacrifice. To be a living sacrifice means it's ongoing. It means it has life. It is sustaining. It's not intermittent. It doesn't come and go. It's a continual, ongoing sacrifice for us to live the Christian life. It's being continually connected with God, saying, all I have is yours. Sacrificing the things of this world and what seems good for what is best. 
which is being connected to God. If something is coming between us and God, then it needs to be removed. And miraculously, he gives us favor in those areas. What I've found in my life is that when I make sure that my connection with God is most important, when I'm doing everything I can to be connected to God, and I'm in his word, I'm around his people, I'm being encouraged by other believers, I'm worshiping him, I'm allowing everything to be focused on God, and I'm living my life for his glory, singing glory, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty with everything that I do. When I'm in that place, guess what? My family life is way, way, way better. I mean, miraculously, incredibly better. When I'm proclaiming with my life, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, my career flourishes. When I'm proclaiming with my life that holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, God provides for every single need that I could have. I'm not rich by any means. I don't have much money at all, but my needs are always met. Always. I haven't had one time since 1994 when I became a Christian that God has not met my needs. I'm standing here in front of you. I've eaten well. I've been provided for because God will meet our needs when we put him first. And you know what? When my life is proclaiming holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, my, my hobbies become more refreshing and more enjoyable and more desirable because things are just right in my life. I enjoy the favor of the Lord when my connection with God is first and foremost and strong. Listen, I believe if we worship God with all of our hearts, giving Him all that we have, being genuine in all that we do, that we enjoy His favor. And then the world begins to take notice, and then our life will lead others to God's presence as well. Look at this last verse from our passage in Acts chapter 2. Verse 47 says, Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So these Christians, because they were proclaiming with their lives that God is holy, holy, holy. He's the Lord God Almighty. He was first in everything that they do. They had favor with all the people. All the people. Not just most people, not just some people. They had favor because they were putting God first. Their connection with Him was first. And God was adding day by day the number of people being saved. God desires to connect our lives with Him so closely, and He's waiting to show up in amazing ways and do amazing things when we get connected to Him. Because when we become true worshipers, when we are connected with God and everything about us is shouting, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, He shows us favor, and He brings others to be a part of that and to be saved. That's why so often we have said as a tagline for Forward Church, we say, come expecting. Come expecting. When we show up expecting, then God does amazing things. We're connecting with God. We're expecting God to show up and to minister to us and add to our number daily those who are being saved. I mean, that sounds like a church I want to be a part of, right? As we kick off this new year, don't we want to see God adding to our number day by day those who are being saved? I mean, that's my desire, and the way we find that is when we find true connection with God, and our lives proclaim that. Because isn't the main criticism from the world to the church, I see a bunch of hypocrites. Why do they see hypocrites? Because our lives are not closely connected to God, proclaiming holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, because with our lives, we're, we're saying one thing, but we live another, and we put other things as more important. But when people see true Christians, when people see true worshipers, when the world sees people who are connected with God and they are living lives that proclaim holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, God does amazing things because people want to see authenticity. The world 
wants authenticity, whether it wants to proclaim that or not. And when it sees it, it desires it. And there are lost people in this community that need to hear that holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Need to hear that there is a God who created them in His image and He desires for them to become His children. And it's a matter of placing our faith in Jesus Christ that then we become His children, a part of His family. And then we can be used by Him to then draw others to Him. And it sounds like an exciting church to be a part of, so what do we do with this knowledge? This importance of being connected with God. Because it's so hard to do on our own. We try and we stumble and we fall. That's why we have to be connected. You see, over the next four weeks, we're going to learn that, number one, we have to be connected with God. And we connect with God through worshiping Him. Next week, we're going to learn that we have to be connected in His Word. When we're connected in His Word, studying His Bible, there's this connection that happens, and He begins to use His Holy Spirit to teach us and change us from the inside out. Then we're going to learn that we need to be connected with each other. We need each other. We can't do this alone in isolation. We're not created for isolation. We're created for connection. And then we're going to learn that we need to be connected in His mission. And when we study all these things and begin to learn that when we're connected in those ways, God will flourish His church. He'll flourish our relationships. We, we will begin to see Him do amazing things. So beginning February 3rd, we're launching Connect Groups. Creative name, I know, right? Connect groups will launch February 3rd. They're going to meet right after the church service on Sundays for about an hour. Childcare will be provided. A light lunch will be available for those who, who want it. If you want to bring your own, that's fine. And, and we'll meet for about six weeks. And the purpose of these connect groups is to give you opportunities to connect with other people. And we'll have a financial peace class. We're going to have a Bible basics class because we're going to find some different ways, different things. There's going to be other classes too. We're going to find different ways for you to connect with people in the church and learn about something from God's word and begin to connect with other people and link arms with other people so that you can get this connection with God like he desires for you. And then we're going to connect on mission through that as well. So I hope you'll sign up for those. Starting next weekend, you'll be able to sign up. There'll be several classes that'll be offered, several connect groups that'll be offered, and you can sign up for those starting next week. And, and I hope that every single person in this room will do that because connection is how we flourish as Christians. We're connected to God, first and foremost. We connect with each other. We connect on mission. And when we begin to do those things, we'll see that our life will begin to flourish and will feel and, 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 and receive the favor of God. So when you came in, you should have gotten a magnet like the one I have on the refrigerator up here. If you didn't get one, grab one as you go out. Put that on your refrigerator. Put that on there as a reminder. Don't put a piece of paper in between it and the refrigerator. Don't hang anything with it. Put it on there as a reminder. There should be nothing that comes between you and God Almighty. He desires that closeness with you. And you can have that closeness through faith in His Son, Jesus. So I believe... If there are several of us here today, they can say, I've been a Christian for some, na some time now, but I've probably never been fully connected with God. There's some in this room that say, you know, I've been holding on to areas of my life where I didn't want God in, and I've allowed them to come between me and God. Sometimes I put things, my family, my career, money, whatever it is, I put that as more important. And maybe today's the day that you need to just come to the altar and lay that down. Maybe today's the day you just come to the altar and say, God, I've been guilty of putting my family before you, and today I repent of that. The beautiful thing about the Bible and about grace is that it's that simple and you're forgiven. God says my grace is sufficient for you. When we just come before him with repentant hearts, we're forgiven because of Jesus Christ. So maybe you need to come forward and do that today. And there's some of you in here today that 
Maybe you're praying for God to reveal himself to you today as you came in. And maybe he has. He's done that through his word, through the preaching of his gospel. And it's up to you to connect with him. Maybe today's the day that you come forward and you say, God, I just want to surrender my life. I want to accept salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And today's the day that you place your life under his lordship and you receive salvation. We rejoice in that with you. That's our purpose for being here. That's what we desire. That's why we meet every week is to encourage each other and to hopefully see the number added day by day of those who are being saved. Maybe today's your day. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your grace. God, that you would look upon us, each and every single one of us, and see our brokenness and see how we've fallen short of your glory. You created us, so you already knew that that would be the case. But because of that, you had a plan set in place from the beginning of time, before the beginning of time. You had a plan in place for your creation that you would provide a way for us to receive salvation and to have connection with you. And that way is through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, if anyone is in this room today and needs to make that proclamation, needs to surrender their life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, if they're feeling that, sensing that, that they would not let anything hinder them from coming to the altar, taking a knee and just saying, God, I surrender to you today. I know that's the best decision I ever made back in 1994. I've never regretted it. And Father, others in this room can say, I've been a Christian for a long time, but I've been allowing things to come between me and my connection with God. Whatever that may be, Lord, I pray that they would come today and they would just lay it at the altar and say, God, no more. I want you to be first and foremost in my life. I want to worship you with every breath that I breathe proclaiming holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Father, may we leave here changed from the way that we came in as we worship you and as we surrender our lives to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with us?